This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 11. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is the show that gives you the tips and the motivation that you need to become fluent in any language. And, you know, today we're just going to jump straight into the question because it's such a good one and such an important one that I don't want to waste any time. So let's get into it. This is a question from Ben. Hello, my name is Ben. I'm 17 and I'm from South Wales in the United Kingdom. My question is this. In 2015, is it really worth learning languages at all? I mean, we're hearing all of these announcements from Microsoft Skype, for example. They've managed to get translation on the fly. Uh, Google Translate is getting better and better with their instant camera translation feature. So do you think in this day and age, it's really worth going to all the trouble of actually learning it when we can have technology to it for us? Ben, thanks so much for leaving this question. I, I really like it. And I feel a bit of pressure, to be honest, because it's such a, an important question. Because, you know, I'm, I'm very used to this whole language learning thing now. And so sometimes I forget that there are people who are, you know, who are your age, who are 17, who are thinking to themselves, well, should I be spending all this time in my life learning languages when there are so many other things I could be doing? And I want to give you an answer to that question. And I'm sure you've got a suspicion about what answer I'm going to give you. But nevertheless, I want to try and do it justice. I think that at the root of your question is about communication. We've got all this amazing technology coming through. We've already got some incredible technology, but like you say, we've got all these announcements from from, com- from tech companies saying that they're going to be able to translate anything for us. And it's easy to see how you could interpret that as, as meaning, well, if we are in the near future going to be able to translate everything instant, instantaneously in some cases, then why bother? So the first thing we've got to do is talk about whether it is just a question of communication or not. And, you know, in my case, I've got to be honest, I don't need to learn any of my languages. When I was, in, when I was living in Japan, I could pretty much get by in English and if I couldn't, then there was always someone around who would help me. Now I'm living in Cairo, and Cairo, the people in Cairo, the Egyptians, speak generally better English than most other places I've lived in. So I can get by perfectly well in English if I want to. When I'm in the UK, I mean, right now I'm spending a couple of months in the UK, and obviously right here I've got no need to ever learn any other languages, even though there are lots of foreigners around all the time. And if at any point for business or work or study or whatever reason, there is a need to translate something, well, like like you say, Ben, there is technology that can take care of it and it's becoming increasingly accurate. But for me, that's only ever going to be to a point. And there was a a very interesting uh, segment on the news this week in the UK about a company that's using Twitter to analyse the... The, the, the mood of the British people in advance of the upcoming election, general election that we're going to have here in, in a week or so. And they what they're doing is they're, an, they're using an, an automated system to analyse the tweets that are getting sent out where they're tagging in different political parties and things like that. And it's, they're saying it's incredibly accurate. You know, they, can, they can do uh, qualitative analysis that can 
read the mood of the people. But there's one thing that the system has not been able to pick up on, which is sarcasm. And one of the interviewers on this program asked the guy, you know, he said, well, how do you handle this, this famous British sarcasm? And he, he turned around and he said, honestly, well, look, to be honest with you, sarcasm is something that we are not able to handle at the moment. It's, it, it's beyond us. And this, this point for me really gets to the, to the core of why you might want to learn a language or what it means to learn another culture's language. Because as a British person yourself, Ben, I mean, can, can you, can you imagine a world without sarcasm? Can you imagine, uh, what it would mean for us if we didn't have this kind of deadpan sarcasm and, and irony in our language toolkit? We know that that is as much about body language as about the things that we say. Just as with comedy, if you're a comedy fan, you know that comedy is much more, of course, you, you, the, that you use words to tell jokes, but comedy is much more a matter of timing and the things that you don't say as the things that you do. And so, like with this and a whole host of other things, these are things that technology, in my opinion, is never, ever going to be able to replace. But does that even matter if we're only talking about communication? You know, if you're if if you're thinking about what you want to do in the future, what job you might have, if you've only got this instrumental need to understand a different language when when it's a matter of business or when, or when it suits you, then you know, does any of that really matter? You know, I'm I'm someone now who increasingly spends most of his life with technology, you know, keeping the blog and doing the podcast and videos and things like that, and I'm very clear that for me. The more that I have technology, the more that I use technology, the more that I crave for genuine, real communication. And, you know, yesterday, I, I mentioned at the start of the previous podcast that I'd, I'd been over to, to Greenwich Market here in London, where you have lots of people from all around the world. And there was a, there was, I, I went there for lunch and I, I grabbed a couple of empanadas, which are a kind of pasty type thing from, that they have in South America. And there was a girl serving these empanadas in this stool who was, yeah, she, it was kind of late afternoon. She, she looked really bored and was obviously very tired. And I went over to, to order a couple of empanadas and, uh, and I was asking her what they were. And she was from Colombia and I used to live in Argentina where empanadas were kind of a way of life. And we started speaking Spanish and you know she came alive at that moment she to have someone sort of standing in front of her suddenly talking to her in Spanish asking her about empanadas and and, and different kinds of food from from I, mean, I was asking her you know what's the difference between these empanadas from Chile and from Argentina and we we just stood there sort of chatting about these these empanadas, these silly little food things for like for 10 15 minutes and she came alive and you could see in her eyes that we connected on a level far beyond what we could have done just by this transactional thing, by buying and selling the, the, the food. And we connected based on this shared experience. This is the, the food and the things that she knows and loves from her home and something that for me brought back memories of living in South America and, and something that I, I happen to, to really like and eat rather too much of when I was actually there. When I was living in Japan, I realized after some time that actually with the Japanese on the whole, and this is of course a generalization, but generally you can only truly connect with Japanese people by speaking their language because there is such a big linguistic and cultural gap 
that there are so, and there are so many unsaid and unspoken things in Japanese that you can only ever really connect with them properly by speaking their language. Likewise, now in, in Cairo, Cairo is a poor place. Egypt's a poor place. When there are when they when locals see people like me, you know, a kind of white Westerner walking along the street. For them, I represent something that for many of them is a, is a dream and an aspiration, you know, the thought of moving abroad, having a better life, a more stable life, more prosperous life. And so when I stop and I speak to them in Arabic, although it's, not, it's far from perfect Arabic, but when I speak to them in Arabic and show to them that I'm interested in them and their culture and their language, the... The, the the look on their face, the connection, the bond that you form from doing that is something very special. Now, I don't know whether it's possible for someone who hasn't experienced this and been through this to imagine it, to imagine the experience itself, to imagine the worth of it and the value to you as a person. I don't know whether it's possible for anyone to imagine this. Now, I could say, I could give you these very generic lines, like, well, learning languages brings people together, brings cultures together, crosses border. I could cite a whole bunch of research recently that, that, that talks about people that learn multiple languages have bigger brains, and children who are bilingual have a much greater meta-understanding of, of, of themselves and of the world. And even even career, reasons for, for, for why you would learn another language for your career, such as that investment bank's, something that many people aspire to, tend to hire linguists because of their critical thinking skills. So I could tell you all of that stuff, but that's not really what it's about for me. The examples I've given you are things that, for me, make my life work worth living and are things that bring happiness to me on a small scale, but in a very deep way. And so what I would say is that Please go ahead and try and do it, but do it for yourself. Don't do it because anyone else says that you should. Don't do it because it's expected of you, but do it for yourself and experience the kind of things that I've been speaking about and then make the decision retrospectively whether you've wasted your time rather than trying to come to that decision beforehand. You know, there's, there was a, I was reading a great book recently where people were talk, people on their deathbed were talking about their lives and what they what they wished that they had done when when they had the chance and the 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 overwhelming finding of the book from all these interviews that were done were that you will only ever regret something that you haven't done never something that you have so ben i'm sure this is um this has been a very personal answer for me, and I, I hope that some of this has resonated with you. And all I can say is, I really hope that you do go out and you do learn another language, and you can have some of the experiences, some of the life-enriching experiences I've spoken about. And if you do that, then I'm sure that you will realise and appreciate that it was worth your time, and it has been something that has been beneficial for you and that has enriched your life. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.